And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hey, my gooch feel dry. I might have to put some powder down there. I don't want my shit to... I don't want them bitches to get fucked up. I know. I can feel it just rubbing. I need some baby powder. Hey, can I get some baby powder? Please. Now if I fart, he'll be able to see a big cloud of baby powder. The baby powder has worked wonders for Zeke. All right, another week of Cowboys training camp, another Cowboys preseason game, and another episode of Hard Knocks to discuss on another episode of the About Them Cowboys podcast on the Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome in, Kent here producing, welcoming in our panel. One of our superstars, Father John Machota, who recently was on the Athletic Football Show with Robert Mays, made the national appearance. So if you haven't checked that out, make sure you go and check out John's episode with Robert Mays on the Athletic Football Show feed. Subscribe to that for the rest of the season. Also, follow us on Twitter. Follow Father John, follow KT, Sod, because we're going to be doing some live streaming as well during the season. Once the season starts here, week one, we're going to be doing some live streaming. So follow them on Twitter. We'll be tweeting out links when, we, when we're streaming. Or you can just follow our YouTube page if you want to do that. Just search about them, Cowboys. Subscribe there, and we'll be streaming soon. So look forward to that. But for now, let's welcome in the panel. The three best friends that anyone could have. It's from the Ticket and the Athletic, Saad Youssef. From the Athletic. Father John Mishota, and the host with the most, Kevin KT Turner. Welcome in. Take it away, KT. Well, I think uh, we will start with Hard Knock Stuff, of course. Episode 2. Was I the only one that was weirded out by the amount of close-up shots during yoga that they decided to start the episode with? You know what? I thought um, I thought yoga went out with, with Garrett. I thought that was a Garrett thing, but I guess that's, a, that's not, not the case. That was actually the second weirdest close-up slow motion shots. The ones that were the ones that came with that really dramatic slow music before the Aaron Donald scuffle were just like I didn't like you know I, I didn't understand what the point of those were, but those were weird to me. Before we play a bunch of audio, I know John kind of talked about this. You know, Hard Knocks through its five episodes always will go to the back end of the roster find some stories and things like that. Did you think they were kind of planning on early on? We need to, you know, they had a pretty explosive episode one. You think that was kind of the plan? We need to get some back into the roster guys and start sharing some of the stories in episode two. I think that's kind of what they were going for. Yeah, probably because I don't think that you get, you know, like Azur Kamara's family in the stands and stuff like that by just, yeah, hey, is your family here today? We're going to go up there and go mic them up. Like, I think that that is set up well in advance so that you can start building that story and whether it turns out to be the greatest story ever, just an okay story, whatever, like it's probably going to make it in at some point. Cause you put a lot of time in it. 
And so, you know, that's a guy that a lot of Cowboys fans probably aren't too familiar with. Uh, you know, a guy that's unlikely to make the 53, but obviously an interesting backstory there. So I really didn't know what to expect from from Hard Knocks because after that first episode, I was kind of like, oh, okay, they're going to focus mainly on the stars here. You know, I mean, you watch some of the previous ones they've done in the Cowboys. You know, there might, you know, that first one, there was a little bit more focus on, especially in the first episode, uh, the cheerleaders. There was a lot about the cheerleaders in there. And we haven't seen really any of that in here. So I think they kind of, uh, you know, go in certain directions and kind of just try and get the best stuff. And if, uh, you know, they're making a cake and if it needs a little bit of icing, they, they go to that vault of, of Z clips they got and they're like, this'll, this'll wrap it all up. This'll be perfect. So this is what we're going to do. But yeah, I, I, you know, I'm not trying to be too critical here. I've seen a lot of people say that they thought the second one was the worst episode ever of hard knocks, which is impressive because it's been going on for a long time here, but I, I haven't watched them all, but I would be stunned if anyone truly believed that that second episode was anywhere near as good as the first one. Yeah, no, definitely. It definitely wasn't. It was definitely, uh, you know, I, I hate to use the word boring, but like, I was like, man, they're, they've built this episode on back into the roster guys who in two weeks, they're going to show them cutting and it's going to be devastating because you kind of end up liking Kamara a little bit in this episode. Uh, they built this episode around a lot of Danucci um, and things like that. And, and I, I wanted more, uh, well, no, oh. here's the thing. Here's the thing. Like they do these in a week, you know, like they're assembling this show as the week is going, you know? Yeah. Some uh, of it, so, some of so, it. Um, I, I was told when I got out there, so this is, you know, we're going on like oh, a month inside, ago. Inside info. Here we go. Yeah. Uh, I was told by some people, uh, that were back by where the, Ken, I know you'll remember this, where that gazebo's at. That's not like a spot now where you where can they really do all go the interviews. To. Yeah. Right. And so I had heard that there was a lot of cameras and a lot of people around doing a chess scene with Danucci and Micah Parsons. So I was like, oh, okay. I thought for sure it'd be like Micah Parsons and Amari. Maybe Amari didn't want to do it, but I had heard about this right when I got out there. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that kind of stuff they do. They do set up. I'm talking about like this, the whole storyline of the week. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're, yeah, it's yeah. on the fly. Guy gets hurt. But, there's there's ten minutes that they didn't see that they need to do now. You know that kind of thing. Um, right. So just, what I but what I'm getting at is like if you if you're watching that chess scene, you're like sitting there and you're just like, yeah, cool. This probably took like five minutes and whatever. But it's like if you go back and watch it again, like look at all the different camera angles they have. Like there's at one point there's a camera angle mm-hmm. from right above looking down. Oh yeah, they mounted a camera on the gazebo. That's that's awesome. That's right, good, right. Yeah. So there was a lot put into that that whole yeah. chess scene. So there's a part of me that, you know, I've seen some people be critical of that, of like, they didn't need all that time in there. And then there's a part of me that kind of sits there and goes, well, if you film that thing for 45 minutes and you had half your crew over there, you're right. probably like, you're not, not let's, get some, yeah. let's get some time out of it. I was thinking some money too, out of this investment. Like, it's, not, it's not the most exciting thing in the world, seeing two NFL players. I mean, I am a chess nerd. Like, I play chess religiously, and I'm saying – and I'm a, I do cover the Cowboys, and I'm saying this wasn't interesting to watch, right? But at oh, the wait, same time, um, so you're a chess nerd. So did you think the above shot did it remind you of Queen's Gambit? It did. I'm certain they certainly got some inspiration from that. Uh, but I, I mean, I thought they would have chess in the first episode. I thought they were that were going to come out of right. the gate, be like, "This is their new way of doing it." And have Leif Schreiber talking about the the chess chess game of the NFL, kind of that be the theme. But uh, but. Here's the thing with Hard Knocks is they get what they get, and that's the episode, you know? So if they don't get a lot of good stuff, this episode's not going to be great. We can't blame Hard Knocks. We can't blame the Cowboys. But here's what I will say. 
if we are going to blame the Cowboys, Mike, Mike McCarthy might have said something like, hey, Hard Knocks cameras are going to be there. Don't be jacking around and doing stupid stuff for the cameras. Like, maybe they've kept it pretty tight there in terms of cool stuff to shoot for these cameras. Maybe they made it pretty boring for them. Yeah, but, okay, I, I agree with you guys, but can we at least blame them for picking Ben DiNucci? Like, I, I'm I'm well, fine with Kamara and, uh, and like, you know, the – the uh the hispanic offensive linemen like for good stories like i just think going into any like planning you can do better than picking ben denucci well you yeah, have to pick somebody that's going to be playing in the in the preseason games significantly yeah and somebody that's willing to be mic'd up all the time right you know and that's the other part of it and i don't want to go too far down this path yet but i also think that they save some stuff because i'll just say i hope they're saving some stuff because yeah. through these first two episodes I've been disappointed with how little a Jerry there is in there. I just find that's it hard I'm to saying. believe that there's yeah, that good true. Jerry. That's true. Good so point. I'm thinking they might be saving it for a future episode where it's just like all about Jerry because they're like, well, a lot of this can be, you know, we have to run the we have to run the Michael Irvin CD Lamb thing because that's time sensitive and we just got CD on this long thing talking mm-hmm. about his camp in his room. So let's put that in there there, but let's save some of this other stuff for later because. I've honestly, my biggest takeaway from the first two episodes, I'm surprised that there hasn't been more Jerry Jones. And hey, there's people listening to this podcast right now that are like, yeah, good. We don't want any more Jerry Jones. I've had enough of Jerry Jones in my life. Me personally, I think he's a very entertaining character that he could have his own reality show. So I'm fine if he's not in there, if all the episodes are just home runs. But if if they're like that last one, Let's get some Jerry in here. We need a scene on the Bravo Eugenia. Scene on the Bravo Eugenia. Let's go. Vesselfinder.com. Well, last week, the the biggest story is your quarterback at camp. Okay, that's the biggest story is your quarterback can't throw and you have those hidden conversations. The number one thing that people in this world were talking about is Jerry salting his breakfast sandwich. Let's not act like Jerry does not carry about a hundred times more importance than anyone else that they could get. Like he does. And there needs to be more. Like when I watched that last night, I was like, how did Jerry allow this to not be as spicy? I just thought there's something there. Maybe it's not Jerry's control. No Steven at all, too. Like see a little Steven in there. Like the other thing is that. But I understand where Cowboys are. Cowboys fans wouldn't want to see that. I get that. But come on, Players have to be willing to do it, too. Like. You can't assume that every single player wants to be mic'd up all the time. I mean, if that was the case, we would have had at least something up to this point of Amari doing some of his rehab stuff. And right. I don't know that he really wants to do that. And we had a good conversation with Amari two days ago, and the cameras were there for all of that. And so I'm thinking some of that will get in because he – I mean, we talked to him for about 15 minutes, one of the best conversations we've had with Amari in, in a couple of years. And so I can see some of that stuff getting in. But you have to be willing to be mic'd up and willing to wanting to do want to do this stuff. And – when I say that, I'm thinking specifically of Ben DiNucci. He has, you know, that type of personality. I can see him not minding being in this stuff. And there's only going to be so much that Dak's going to allow. And you're going to you're going to want a quarterback, as Kent mentioned, that's going to be playing in these games. And 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 Hard Knocks is just not a fit for Cooper Rush and Garrett Gilbert. Like that's just not their thing. They're kind of they're a lot more like Kellen Moore as opposed to like, um, you know. Danucci's got a lot, lot more of like a Dak in him, where like he did kind of he doesn't care about like saying something or doing something that like people are going to laugh at or something like that. So, you know, I didn't even know Ben Danucci liked playing chess, but I'm sure that they asked people like, "Hey, we need Micah to be playing chess." He's been tweeting about it, you know, g- leading up to camp. 
you know, let's say maybe Amari doesn't want to do it or something. Who who can we get? And I, I can see Ben DiNucci being like, I'll do it. I don't care. It's fine with me. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, on that note, we don't have any we don't have any Danucci audio because um, there wasn't really any. It wasn't a lot of audio. There wasn't as much audio this episode. How would you as last rate episode. as a as a chess player player there, Kent? How would you rate his trash talking during his chess play? Yeah, I I mean, it's giving him a hard time. I mean, you know, I liked it. Yeah, I I guess I I don't trash talk till the game's over. You know, oh, okay. not during the game. You're not, you well, don't, you don't say, oh man, you're getting killed. Ooh, this is bad to the guy as he's getting beat. You know, you, you got to be a little more humble about it. And then you let him have it at, after he beat his ass. You know, that's, that's kind of Sounds like you, he knew pretty early on though that he was winning though. Sounds like yeah. he knew it was pretty much over early on. So maybe that's why he was doing that. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was cool. It was, it was fun uh, to see them do it. I mean, how often do you see two NFL players playing chess? I mean, I guess that was, that was cool. But on, on the Danucci note, you just would have thought, watching this episode, if you had knew nothing about the Cowboys, you're like, dude, this Ben DiNucci guy, watch out for him. Just the way they frame it, the way they edited it, they had a whole montage of him making plays at practice. Like You would think this guy is lighting the world on fire at the quarterback position, and he's like pushing for Dak's job and all this stuff. I'm like, dude, the guy cannot can't play. And Jeff Jeff said he was the worst player he's ever seen last week. Making it so. <laughs> making it seem like that drive against the Cardinals was like the game winning drive right. and like You're like way to go, Nooch. Yeah, we got this. Yeah. Like Well, I'm I'm gonna steal this from um my friend Jeff Skin Wade from the Ben and Skin Show and he was like, I was so disappointed in learning more about Danucci because I wanted Danucci like we saw him play last year, he's the, like the wild card guy, and he's throwing side arms, and he's just throwing it into traffic. He was like, I was so disappointed that he is really not that energetic and charismatic, and he's not wearing weird clothes. They're talking about his style. He's like, I was really disappointed that Danucci was not this crazy wild card guy. He's actually very boring. I was like, yeah, yeah, you kind of got a good point there. I also thought it was funny that Micah Parsons, when he got beat, was like. Just the line, you're not even good, bro. <laughs> it was such I was like, man, is that a chess thing or a football thing that he's that's saying? Like, to him? That's like a you know, a guy coming out of college thing. You know, he's he's young still. He he's he's got so some funny. some some childish nature to him. I like I like Micah. I, I think he's he's a lot of fun. I hope they keep the mic on him. Oh so yeah, absolutely. I mean the the way that he even like the way that he complains about playing time every single game is just, <laughs> I mean, it's so high school. It's, I mean, and, and I mean that in a very complimentary way. I love it. It's like it, it brings that little kid joy back to football. So, yeah, I love Micah so far in both episodes. Uh, okay, Kim, what what audio do you want to start with? You can, I'll let yeah. you kind of just lead us through there since you pulled that. So some interesting audio we did get is Dak hasn't been really practicing, but he's getting quote-unquote mental reps. And, you know, fans and myself even, I, I roll sometimes when you hear, oh, he's out there, he's getting mental reps. Like, well, really, how much does that help? But we got some insight into that uh, on Hard Dogs. Uh, so here we go. I'm done. They pulled me. Enjoyed the work, though. I'm on a pitch count. They called in the reliever. I'm going to just uh, be patient, um, be diligent in everything that I have to do, keep the lower body active, um, take the mental reps, as many mental reps as I can. 
And in my head, I'm envisioning me throwing and hitting those targets. Uh, so if I hear the play, walk up to the line, I guess mentally, just like the quarterback does, uh, check the front, then check the back end, see rotation, making the kill or making the adjustments, and we're ready to go in my head. Uh, Ray, I'll just go Tennessee. Tennessee. Right here, I know what he's got. He's hustling over the bunch. He's hustling over the bunch. He's going to earn it 100%. Love that, too. Andy killed of the week. 100%. Tyler. Definitely Tyler. I'm just trying to see the defense post-snap the best I can and play the play as if I would. Bam, make a, you know what I mean? Move it. Boom. And then everything else is, if I don't, I'm either starting there or I'm starting on the slip. But I'll be running this way. It won't be a cross. Say again? Yeah, no, I won't come across. But I, I'll turn my shoulder so it doesn't. Every rep is an opportunity to be your rep, whether you're in or not. Say this. Goodbye. The way they edited that was awesome. I think of him talking about it and then, and then um, you know, going to the, the, uh, the cuts there. Um, really cool insight. I don't think that, and I could be wrong in this, but I don't think that anything he was saying there, most NFL quarterbacks, backups, third string guys, guys are going to get cut in the next couple of weeks, wouldn't be able to identify those same things. So the mental reps obviously are important to a certain extent, but... When you're playing quarterback at the NFL level and you're a good quarterback like Dak Prescott, a franchise quarterback, uh, one of the highest paid players in the game, it's about when you're in there. Yeah, you identify itself, but you have to react so quickly and you have to be accurate when you do that. Like there's just so much more that goes into it than just being like, like even on like, you know, some high level college stuff. There's games that Clemson probably played the last couple of years where Trevor Lawrence is like, yeah, I identified this, but I was like, you know what? I got that whenever I want. Let me go look back over here because the players, like if Clemson's playing, let's say like, you know, Florida State the last few years, they're just, their players are so much better. That's not even close. But at the NFL level, like I think there's a lot of guys that would identify that stuff and can take those mental reps. But what separates you is when you go in the game and the bullets are flying and there's guys coming at you and you make that quick decision and on top of making that quick decision, you have that quick throw that's also accurate on the money. I've talked about this stuff a bunch, I mean, in the past, but then also uh, at this training camp before practices with Babe Offenberg. And it's just like, that's the thing. Like, it is so difficult. Obviously, to get to the NFL, you have to be a good quarterback. But it's when you're in there, not only do you identify stuff, but you have to identify it so quickly and get the ball out, you know, fast. I mean, if you even hesitate on, on that read, if it's open... Like, that's the thing. Like, like I, Babe was telling me that there's routes that, like, when he first got in the league where he'd be like, yeah, that guy's not really open or whatever like that. And the coach would tell him, like, oh, no, that's open in this league. You have to throw that right now. Like, you have to get that out. And you have to be accurate on it. I mean, I've seen it in plenty of these practices with whether it's Garrett Gilbert or Ben DiNucci and stuff. They identify the right thing, but their ball on the slant to Michael Gallup is just too high. I saw it today in a practice that Garrett Gilbert had where it's just like, He's not going to be as consistent throw after throw after throw as a Dak Prescott's going to be. So the mental reps help, but they're nowhere near as important as you actually going in there, live game reps, having to decide real quick, and then also putting that accurate throw out there. Yeah, and also you heard Dak say it. I don't know if it was in that clip exactly, but he said in the in, like in that moment where he was like, I graduated from you know being a backup quarterback to this point. So like he was talking about how like you know as a backup you do see all these things. And hell, I mean, these backups can be really smart. Kellen Moore was a third-string quarterback who's now the offensive coordinator. So, John, to your point, these guys, are, like, the backups can oftentimes be even smarter than the, than the starter. That doesn't necessarily mean that they have the physical tools because Kellen, Kellen is a genius. Like, he's, he's, 
he's boy genius, right? But obviously it didn't translate on the field for him. So, yeah, absolutely. I'm glad you mentioned Kellen because that was a funny part too. Or not if it's a funny part, but they're talking about the cadence. And at first I was kind of like, this is the most boring uh, coaching that's ever happening right now. But then, uh, and I think it was Cash Saroy had posted the screenshot of it, or the screenshot was going around of what was actually on the Cowboys board. And the last two bullet points I thought were very interesting. Even if it's common for every NFL offense, it's still something. And I don't know. So uh, the third one says, any shifting of the players happens before the cadence on the quarterback's command move. That's not different. I bet half the teams in the league say move to start motion. But it still tells the defensive linemen, okay, I've got two seconds, you know, three seconds even. And you're not like, you know, to not jump. Like it is something to watch for with the Cowboys now. And also the last one said any motion will be started at the quarterback's heel if they're under center or by the hand and the shotgun. So if Cowboys are in shotgun and the motion starts, okay, Dak waves the guy across. That's a common football thing, but still if I'm a defensive end and I'm trying to time a rush against a, against an offensive tackle, I am kind of knowing that I have at least three or four or five seconds before this ball's even going to be snapped. I thought that was interesting that was up there when you have full editorial control. And then I was quickly reminded, like, this is the team that had their draft war room camera on the day Dak was picked and Jason Garrett's mimicking throwing a football and, you know, Dak ends up getting picked in round four there. Man, if... If anybody in the league wanted Dak Prescott and knew the Cowboys were interested, they had 30 picks ahead of that time to know that the Cowboys were probably going to take him because the Cowboys' war room camera was public and they were showing a guy mimicking a throwing motion. Now, I know that's exaggerating things a little bit, but it's still for McCarthy to be as secretive as he's wanted to be over the last couple years. I didn't think that was interesting that all that was left on the board, even though it's not, you know, the code to the to was still it blurred the, out. But yeah, like I know it's not the 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 key to the code to the lock of the Declaration of Independence, but it's yeah. still something. Yeah. Uh, I, w- I talked about this briefly with with Robert Mays uh, on his podcast the other day. So I think it's kind of interesting how you look at some of these cornerstone pieces on the Cowboys and how how much luck was involved, how they got there. And you mentioned the Dak thing, so that's what made me think of it, like him falling to them after they clearly wanted other guys like Connor Cook and. And Peyton or uh, uh, Paxton, Paxton Lynch over him, and it kind of is like, well, this kind of is the next best thing. Let's go with this guy, and then obviously look how well that works out. Uh, Zach Martin, you know, I don't know that that was necessarily the guy that just like blew them away right away going into that draft. And there's a little bit of scrambling that goes on. You know, they they wanted a defensive player. Uh, you know, obviously the stories of Jerry with Johnny Manziel. They get Zach Martin. It's like you could probably look back on this last decade, depending on what Dak does, and say that that was the best draft pick that they've had in that decade, probably Ring of Honor, Hall of Fame type guy. And now we're looking at Micah Parsons and CeeDee Lamb, and you're just kind of like, in future drafts, if you're a Cowboys fan, you almost got to be like, hey, I hope some chaos happens right before we pick, because uh, that seems to be like when we get the best results, because... It just it shows you like obviously you have to be good you know you need to be good and on your on your on your draft board to get lucky to have guys fall to you but it is interesting how it works how that plan that we sit here on on these shows and we talk about mock drafts for months and months and ahead and they're obviously doing the same thing and then the draft gets going and in like a half hour things change so much and they just change the entire direction of your organization and just think about how different this Cowboys team is with all right well, we can just go this way. Paxton Lynch, 
uh, who do you want to go with instead of Zach Martin? They were probably in a pretty good spot there regardless. The guy that they really hear, this is the guy that they wanted, though, so we'll go with this, even though it didn't happen. They wanted happen. a defensive player, right? They wanted Ryan Shazier. Yeah. Okay, Paxton Lynch, Ryan Shazier, both do not play in the National Football League anymore. All right, uh, instead of CeeDee Lamb, you're probably ending up with Caleb Von Chase on. And, 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 hey, the jury's still out there. Who knows? And then instead of Micah Parsons, you end up with one of the corners. And I did see Patrick Sertan at a nice pick six the other day. Um, he missed practice, I think, today or yesterday. He, I think he had a lower extremity injury or something like that. But he looks like he's going to be a pretty good player. But, like, are you going to be really that surprised if Micah Parsons, like, five years from now, you're like, I can't believe they were going to take one of those corners over Micah Parsons. He's the face of this defense. Like, it's just kind of an interesting thing that, like, you know, there is a little bit of luck that plays into this, and, you know, that sure. that helps. It's the way draft go, according to Jerry. All right. Uh, next cut here, KT. Uh, yeah, dude. Uh, how do you, what's this guy's name? John Adam Dude. No, it's Aiden Durday. Aiden Durday. Okay. A defensive line coach. He wasn't there Dirty. when I was, when I was there. It was, uh, coach Rod. No, um, no, he was, you know what though, Kent? He was there. He was for not a, portion. a, yeah, he wasn't like a coach though. He was like no, a, no. Yeah. He was like kind of, kind of a, uh, back, background guy or a, yeah, almost like a coaching internship type right. thing. But yeah, go on. Yeah. Did you get Jerry's bad impersonation Jerry's of him? Oh, geez. Yes. Yeah. Have of you course. ever heard Winston Chir- Churchill talk? Of Doesn't course. Sound like him. But go on. So, uh, so yeah, we got we got some audio gold from uh, Adam Dude. A lot of good shit today. Like I'm not coming in like fucking Grim Reaper, but like I'm telling you, we have to work on our mental toughness. Okay, we didn't win really one true one-on-one rush in team. That can't happen. It's got to be a consistent effort throughout practice. Let's go, Lost Set. Go! Good, see you, Lost. Go! Good, good, good. Remember, Lost. Just have that strong outside arm, okay? Boom, I'm gonna stick it and then I'm shredding, okay? Let's get one more to Josh's side. Set, go! Go, go, there you go, now get rid of it. Good job, good job. Hey, bring defensive line go. Yeah. I look at him and uh, he looks like he's marking some. Okay, two minutes, what? third down, game's on the fucking line. Okay, I listen to him, rock. he sounds like Winston Churchill. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> what? We'll beat him on the ground, we will beat him on the <laughs> Oh, Jerry. Uh, I mean, for, I can't believe it. That's, besides, besides that and Michael Irvin just whipping his ass about C.D. Lamb, I can't believe that's all the Jerry we got last night. I just, I, I thought there would be so much more, and I thought it would be better than that. Because, I mean, that that is a, just a basic uh, a, a accent right there. It's a basic European accent right there. You could have said Harry Potter is the same thing. So, yeah. Okay, that's weird, Jerry. It didn't sound anything. I'm, I'm like glad him. he got the right the right country though. Like the right the right thing. It would have been bad if he's like he sounds like Crocodile Dundee or something. He completely butchers it and makes a fool of himself. That would have been, been bad. Might. Yeah. He's like <laughs> it's like that's that's no, no. And and Jim Maurer's just like nodding along, like trying to humor him. You know, like, yeah. Uh, yep. Oh. Okay. <laughs> kind of sounds like that crocodile hunter. Yeah, <laughs> uh, sure. Yep. <laughs> Uh, well, Saad, you were, I'm uh, sorry, I interjected. Oh, no, I was just going to say, it was, he could have he said anybody else, but Winston Churchill? I don't know, like, I don't know if that's a... Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Okay, next cut here is um, Demarcus Lawrence. And we got some audio of his pregame pump-up routine. He's a leader with presence and energy to spare. I said we turn in this bench, we gonna eat lion shit. We don't give a fuck about man, none of these bitch. Man, come through, we gonna hit him in his mouth. And never disrespect how much we put into this. We going hard for this shit. Let's talk to the fucking world what we fucking build about. You know, fatherhood and football, it actually matches up pretty well. I know how important it is to not be on the field and, you know, still try to learn to play. So I try to express that on the young ones. Feet up under you. You know, just encourage them and teach them the plays and stuff. There you go. All y'all look like y'all threatening them. That's how I post the field. All right? That last rep, hey, hey, if he ain't got a little piss coming down his leg, you ain't threatening him hard enough. All right? You know, we talk about Micah Parsons being being really needed on this defense. I'm still so confident in the leadership of Demarcus Lawrence and what he brings, and I'm just so happy that he's still able to bring it <laughs> this year. I'm, I'm excited. He's grown a lot as a player. I'm excited. I I knew like you know a guy that's been in the league for a long time. But when they said on Hard Knocks that this was his eighth season, it just slapped me in the face. Sometimes you just need to hear it like that. And I just went, holy cow. I mean, I remember it was one of my first training camps covering the Cowboys. His very first workout, and he ends up you know, breaking his foot, going up against Tyron uh, at Oxnard. And I was oh, just yeah, like, you like hear I remember it. Being, yeah. being feet away from that, you know. But I was like, God, that was eight years ago? And I was like, yeah, it actually was. Um Time flies and you're winning Super Bowls. He, he's one of those guys. Well, hey, John. Hey, Sorry. remember 
We're going to keep it positive, man. I know, Remember? I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, no, I have to keep it positive. You guys are doing fine. I'm the one who needs to crank up the positivity. Yeah, yeah um, exactly. I can't wait about, for you to keep it positive when we get to the Mike McCarthy speech. Oh, I thought <laughs> it was groundbreaking. Um, yeah. The, the, guys, gather around. We're about to watch a movie. It's called Police Academy. Okay. You don't think guys, he's, he's not going to go to the 80s? Guys, okay, fine. Guys, it's not Garrett. gather around. It's a little something called Ace Ventura Pet Detective. Harry, now. A smoking. <laughs> no, it's the mask, actually. I missed that one. Well, Austin Powers. I, uh, I was disappointed there were no moments movie? like that. Yeah, yeah dude, I thought movie, we were getting TV. a mojo moment. Watermelon smash, and I wanted some of this. He had anyway. some stuff written on the board there for the mo- when he was doing a motivational speech. Actually, we'll just play that the motivational speech right now while we're on the topic. All right, man, here we go. Game notes, okay? I want you guys to get on the edge tonight, okay? Give a little extra. Stay within the rules, but we got to get on the edge. The personality of our football team has to take a step tonight. 40% of you guys are new from last year, okay? We played this team last year. Make sure you put it on their ass tonight. All I care about tonight is the physicality of the football game. Be smart, don't throw a punch, don't do nothing crazy, but let's put the wood on these guys. We're a popular team. We're not in this for fucking being popular. We talked about a winning culture. And the real winning comes with the play style. God, I fucking love that song. This wasn't our best week of practice. So let's learn from it. I want you fucking geared in tonight. Let's turn this shit up. I'm talking about everybody. So you fucking bring it to these guys. Oh! I love it. I love it. The way that they do the music back there. I know there's so many people that probably watch that. And they're like, that's so cheesy or whatever. But when I listen to that, like the way that they put it together and just start the music at the right time, like, and then the F-bombs and all that. I asked, I asked McCarthy earlier today. Uh, at the press conference, if like, what's the feedback he's heard about this, like from any family or friends? He said, really, the only thing was that his mom has kind of been a little disappointed with the uh, how much he swears or whatever. But other than that, he said it's been pretty positive. He's a saint compared to Garrett. Because I will tell you, the reason why I asked him, and I mean, a lot of people were asking uh, hard next questions today, but one of the reasons I asked him is because on the pregame show before Arizona, uh, Brad Sham asked him, it was his last question. He was like, you know, what have you thought of that? Because only the first episode had been out. And I can't remember exactly the way McCarthy said it, but you could tell he really didn't want to even talk about it. He's like, yeah, well, we kind of leave it up to Rich to edit that thing or whatever, like making a joke. But he didn't really want to get into it. Almost like I, I was like, did he really not like how he was portrayed in that first episode? And I don't know if he would say that publicly or not, but it was like, it was one of those where he knew it was the last question and he really didn't want to get into it. And, and keep in mind, like, it's a, it's a, it's a preseason game, pregame interview, but they're like recorded like quite. A, it's not like he grabs them on the field and it's like McCarthy's like, hey, I'm, I'm working on something here. It's like it's done well in advance. It just didn't seem like he was real interested to talk about how he felt about that first episode. But it seemed pretty clear that he w- had watched it. And then in the press conference today, it seemed real obvious that he's watched both episodes. I wonder if that happens with Jerry. Jerry wasn't happy about he was portrayed sprinkling salt on him at Griddle. And he's like, oh, all right, I'd- that's it for me. I don't think he cares about that. I think he. I think he'd be fine if he. I mean, if he's bulletproof, if he, you're right. Yeah, not only that, but he'd be like, "Oh, I'll eat a McGriddle every episode or whatever like that." We can we can be a sponsor or something like that. I don't think he cares about that. <laughs> Bob Burger King called him not not too happy. His 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 poker buddy. Um, okay, we've got uh, one more cut here. <laughs> 
And this is just a funny one because I just love the the narration of Liev Schreiber. Over the years, it's it's my favorite par- part of Hard Knocks other than the music is is Liev Schreiber. And his voice gets deeper every single year. It's actually very impressive if you go back and watch season one with the Cowboys and then see this season. It's like it's doubled an octave uh, in, in how low it is. But um, I just thought this was a, a very interesting audio transition. The trick is to focus on the now, not the future or the past, but that sweet spot found right in between. Hey, my gooch feel dry. I might have to put some powder down there. That's 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 all. Just 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 a clip from the show. <laughs> I didn't just cut that together. <laughs> there were a couple of those transitions where you're like, man, I like, I, I forgot what the first one was that kind of caught my attention. Where it was like, uh, it was something. It was going from Ben DiNucci to Dak Prescott, and it was like a like a wordplay transition right at the beginning there. But yeah, that that one was definitely the the, the funny one that definitely caught the attention. So there's an edit- editing process that goes on here that includes members of the Cowboys staff. So they're not just, they don't have to like NFL films and HBO just don't have a free for all to run whatever they want. But when you hear like stuff like that Gooch thing and you're kind of like, maybe they do just put everything in there or then it makes me wonder what, <laughs> what if it, I'm just picturing like, like two or three producers from hard knocks at a table and then like rich Dalrymple and McCarthy and like one other person from the Cowboys at another table, and they're just going back and forth. All right, all right, all right. Wait, so you're saying Take Rich it. Rich signed off on on the vasectomy stuff and all that being out yeah. there? Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. How about y'all fix this shit, Rich? What if it goes down like this, where he's just like, "All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. We need that in. We need we need you to take out that part in that meeting. We just can't have that in there." And then the hard knocks people are like, "All right, what what will you trade us? Give us the gooch <laughs> part. Can we put the gooch in there?" Yeah, ah, we don't want to do yeah, it. Okay, take, okay, yeah. fine, fine. Take that out. Put the gooch thing in there. I'll trade you the gooch and a vasectomy if you take out those two right there. All right, cool. We got a deal. Yeah. Gooch is great. I don't know if that happens, but it sounds good, right? Sounds great. I, I was disappointed that well, – disappointed is not the word. I don't think it affected me that much. No, uh, I think you're upset. Uh, no, I was – Ruined not, your day? Not upset. You know what ruined – well – so I'm a big uh, Neville Gallimore fan. I think it's a great dude. I think it's a super bummer that he dislocated his elbow in the second game of the preseason. And I was like, well, they just kind of glossed over that. I kind of thought that would be one of the big, bigger stories of this. Because, you know, Neville Gallimore is a guy who at the end of the year, we could be talking about, he is a key guy on this defense. Got to prove it still. I was just I was super bummed out about you, really the injury and then not getting any airtime on the episode. You know, that's a really good point. And I think that is a good example of how this is a TV show at the end of the day that's trying to have the most entertaining stuff. And they might possibly didn't have the greatest of footage of that, whereas stuff that they do have better footage of might bump it. And the reason why I'm saying that is because one of the things I was going to point out from the episode that kind of stood out to me was how much time are we spending on this rolled ankle with Terrell Basham? But they have a ton of angles. They have them in the tent. They had it's him all, mic'd it's up. All I couldn't Oxnard. believe they, they had, had him mic'd up. up. Right. 
So it's like they have all that. So it's almost like you're like, okay, well, we already have this. We have to get this stuff in there because this is some good stuff. Whereas with the Gallimore thing, maybe they didn't have, you know, Jim Maurer out there talking to Gallimore or Team Doctor. And all they had was just like the replays of the injury. And they're like, yeah, there's nothing really great behind the scenes. Maybe we'll hit on it next episode if we get somebody to talk about it. But like the Basham thing just kept going on. And I'm like, yeah, he rolled his ankle. Like, I mean, and then the, you know, dramatic music comes in. You know what went on and on and on, John? players playing with their kids on the fields. I feel like we've seen that. There's a lot of that. Every year for a beating on the news is that, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I, don't I thought know. it was kind of Carlos Watkins' kid trying to push that slot. I thought it was kind of I mean, that's cute. That's, that's cute yeah. but, uh, also, I mean, another uh, like another made-for-TV thing. John, you, you, you were out there, so you probably attest to this. Apparently, uh, the uh, Aaron Donald fight happened first, right? Like, the Aaron no, Donald, yeah. the Aaron Aaron Donald big dust up happened before all those little things, but they made it seem like oh all these little little scuffles built up to the Aaron Donald thing, which I think that was not the case, right? Yeah, and then it was perfect the way that they had like they had the shots of Aaron Donald getting off the bus, like it was all built. And then hey, that's good. If, if you like the NFL, I mean, you obviously know who Aaron Donald is, and that's like the perfect matchup there. I was kind of. Kind of surprised there wasn't a little bit more of the maybe Jalen Ramsey, CeeDee Lamb, but uh, that stuff was good. And I honestly, I of I thought one of the top five moments was having, you know, Dak basically telling Connor, like, good shit, keep that up. Like, we like that because you feel that obviously guys would be that way. But going into that practice, there was a lot of talk for weeks before that about, you know, when you do one of these practices, there's probably going to be a fight. And Mike McCarthy kept saying how, like, we've been talking to the guys about that. We don't want that because that's going to be that's those are penalties in the game. We don't want that. We don't want players doing that. And Jason Garrett used to talk about that whenever they were about to scrimmage another team out in Oxnard. How you know sometimes it just like you just get this feeling that the other team's just trying to scuffle and you're not going to really get any work done and things like that. So that's been a a point of emphasis to then see it out there. It's kind of it's, it's interesting too because of the fact that like of course the guys are going to like it. It's Connor Williams. And they want him to go after like the guy who is basically the he is the best defensive player in football. Like, yeah, we're fine with that. You can do that. That's good. We like to see more of that. Go ahead. We'll take that penalty in in this little mock game practice thing right here. So I thought that was kind of cool. I I thought my favorite part was really the four or five minutes on CeeDee Lamb. I know we kind of already touched on it, but it's it's always great when you have players talking about candles. Well, the candle, the candle stuff, too, but like the, the, the players mic'd up on the field freaking out to his catches and then Dak going, oh, it's an easy guy to throw to. And then Micah Parsons like, that boy's nasty and things like that. It was just, I like that stuff. I saw you, John. Like, I saw you with your camera, John. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Like, I'm trading off any FaceTime with, I usually have my camera right in front of my face, but that's fine. I need to get the people the videos. That's what I'm out there for, so. We need to get some athletic sponsors on. Maybe we'll put some patches on you, decorate you like a NASCAR. <laughs> yeah, there you there. go. Okay. Get I yourself like sponsored. Yeah, do it. McGriddle. Yeah, the <laughs> McGriddle. <laughs> I mean, Jerry um, did sway you, and Jerry got you eating breakfast. So. I know. I know. Crazy. They're uh, amazing, aren't they? Well, I'll ask you guys this then. Uh, so <laughs> let's say you guys are the producer of the show, or uh, you were in charge of They basically were like, okay. We're sick of hearing all this negative reviews about the second episode, so we're going to turn to you guys. What do you want to see more of? Um, so I'll go last. Uh, I don't know if, who wants to go first, but like, if you can think of like one thing that might make the show a little bit more entertaining, what would it be? 
Okay. Well, here's all. First of all, as I would say, it's a show that's not about preseason. So, um, if you want me to save the season, I can try. But the problem is that we all got we've had multiple NFL seasons of all or nothing. It's really hard to compare now. And Hard Knocks is an institution and been around forever. These storylines just feel like nothing compared to everything we we've seen on All or Nothing already. We're spoiled because we got that. So it's going to be tough to save it. Uh, but as I said earlier, Jerry is the dynamic guy. I wouldn't mind a little more coaches meeting stuff. I was very fascinated with the, the GPS tracker stuff that McCarthy was talking about. I would like to see McCarthy in analytics meetings. You know, how is he responding to all of that stuff? Um, I, I, I like that. And I want to see more, you know, behind the scenes footage, less player meetings type stuff, but more like coaches meetings. There were some of the best scenes in all or nothing over the years was those kind of tense coaches meetings and leadership meetings. And I always liked in episode one, though, all the stuff, you know, whether it's even if it was Jim Maurer reading down the injury report, um, it's just stuff you don't normally see. Here's the coaches behind closed doors late at night having meetings. I want more of that. Yeah, yeah I think I, ahead, I think Tom. for me. Yeah, I think for me, it's uh, like obviously no more Jerry is the obvious thing. But now that it's transitioned away from Oxnard and back to Frisco, I kind of want to see like like John like we all know this we've all we've all been there like just you know their the relationships that these big players these star players have with the cafeteria people um, with all that stuff like where you can get like like KT said behind the scenes you still have the big names we all know like these guys have like these really thoughtful and deep relationships with like you know janitors and 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 all these people and I think you know seeing. Well, I, I appreciate the fact that we have Micah Parsons commentary on CD Lamb and all that stuff, and then that's all fine. But I think you can get that with NFL mic'd up in week two. Like that's that's you can still get that. But I think getting more of those deeper relationships, especially in Frisco, is something that would be kind of appealing to me. Yeah, I would say go for ahead. me. Oh, go ahead, go ahead, Kent. Uh, yeah, I would. I would just kind of echo what KT said in terms of the. Uh, some of the meeting room stuff that's that stuff's interesting to me a lot i i um i'm always reminded of a story that brought us uh friend of the show brian brought us tells that because he was on the staff of the cowboys when campo was the coach and they did hard knocks and he was in one of the meeting rooms and one of the coaches went off and you know cussing or something and uh they mount these cameras in the corner of all the meeting rooms for hard knocks right <laughs> and like they they looked up at the camera and said, is that going to be on the show? And, like, the camera, like, nodded yes. Like, the remote camera, like, nodded <laughs> yes, like the control guy. So I'm always reminded of that um, when I see the meeting room footage. But, yeah, I mean, I always think of, of All or Nothing, the stuff with Dez, you know, all, all the all the player personality stuff that you can get is great. Something I'm surprised that we haven't seen yet, I'm sure we will, maybe next episode, is some of the rookie songs uh, are good. Um you know, they perform the uh, acapella songs. The initiation type stuff is fun. Yeah, um, I like that. A lot less montages, though. I'm 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 done with montages set to today's latest TikTok song of the day uh, kind of thing. You know, um, I like raw footage, astronaut, and, and all that kind of stuff. A lot, lot less uh, flashy editing, more raw raw stuff. And I'm with you, KT. I think maybe maybe the time for them is say let's not 
have to end every 20, 20 minutes of every episode on covering a preseason game, maybe we just put the best 50 minutes in regardless of what it is. And that's what it is. So, Yeah, it should, you never have the feeling of like, man, I wish that was 15 minutes less of my time. Because if you're me and you're rewatching The Sopranos, you really need every minute. Because you really I'm need rewatching to it too. Sopranos. Are you? Yeah, I'm on season five. Well, rewatching it. I've never seen it, so I'm oh, wow. watching it. Um, and uh, you know, trying to get it done before the movie. Um, nice. But it's also it was a very per- like I started just in time to go. I've got to get done by September because football is here. <laughs> um, obviously, it's here, but like really here in two or three weeks and. So, yeah, it's a grind, and that's a long show. So, I mean, if I've got hard knocks farting around with uh, some fumble that happened in the preseason game that doesn't matter, I mean, I, I got to get back to Tony. One more thing, and you I'll know? pass it to you, John. If you're not going to get Jerry, we've got Steven, Charlotte, Jerry Jr. Let's get some, let's get some Jones clan going. Come on. Let's get, let's get some, some, kind of, some kind of Joneses in sight. Just their lifestyle and, and – Everything about them is fascinating to me, and and um, I love them. I want I want to see more of them, regardless of Jerry. More Jerry, obviously, but uh, more Joneses in general. Go ahead, John. Yeah, I'm just going with similar to what you guys said about the meeting rooms, but more specifically uh, when they cut the roster down. I want to see some arguments about why they have to keep this guy. And they don't even have to mention names. Just tell me why yes. why they're going heavier here at this position. You know, maybe John Fossil speaks up like. That's fine, guys. But I need this guy in special teams, like things like that. And we're not going to see that, but that's the type of stuff that that fans would really like to see. And then just one observation I wanted to make off of all of that uh, that ties in with the Jerry Jones thing is is you tie in all that all or nothing. Any any time that they've been on any, any reality show, uh, any time uh, they've done hard knocks before, you know Jerry Jones is in all those meetings. Jerry Jones hasn't been in any of the meetings in in this series, so whether they're doing that on purpose and not just not including the ones when Jerry was in the meeting, I've found that kind of interesting too. So again, maybe they're saving all this stuff for a final episode, but there's also something to be taken away from this. If we get through five episodes and there really isn't any more Jerry Jones than we've seen up to this part, because if that's the case, then it's a conscious effort that maybe he doesn't want to be in as much. He's trying to take a step back, um, trying to change up the way he's going about things. I mean, he certainly hasn't been speaking very brash about the team, making any bold predictions or anything like that, kind of, you know, keeping quiet. I mean, he wouldn't even have been really a big part of the first episode if it wasn't for the McGriddle. So maybe this is Jerry trying to take a little bit of a step back, which if you're a Dallas Cowboys fan, you really have never seen before. Um, is there, we should talk quickly about the uh, linebacker situation as well. Um, obviously, Bob had a really good piece on Jalen. I mean, it certainly feels like if you're just watching the game, it feels like it's very clear right now. While they're all kind of asked to do a lot of different stuff right now, Micah Parsons and Keanu Neal are your top two linebackers. It seems like now maybe they're just being careful with Layton, don't want him to get hurt. It doesn't help Leighton's case at all that Keanu Neal's knocking a football out and making plays. It certainly feels from afar that Leighton and Jalen are your number three and number four linebackers right now. Yeah, I think what it comes down to, I think in your base, you, you Leighton's going to be out there. And then when you go to nickel, then that's when you're going to have Keanu Neal out there uh, more, obviously. And Micah Parsons always being the other linebacker that's out there. And yeah, with how much these teams play nickel and dime nowadays, that means not a lot of snaps for Jalen Smith. And that'll be interesting to see how that plays out because, yeah, I, I here's the thing. Like Leighton Vanders, I think, has had a, a pretty good camp. Like he is really, and, and he's healthy right now. I think he's played well. 
Uh, but Keanu Neal has played even better. I mean, heck, the way he played in that preseason game, and I know it was only a couple series, but you're just like, man, this guy is a terror out there. And it match him up with Micah Parsons, it just just makes you a super athletic at the linebacker position. And that just hasn't been the case for a while with the Cowboys. And and it, it gives you, you know, for anybody that's out there thinking, this is just going to be the worst defense or one of the worst defenses in the league. You look at those two guys in particular, just off of not just not even training camp, just off the preseason games. And it gives you a little bit of hope where you're like, well, this is a little bit different than, than what we've seen before. So if they continue to use these two guys like this and they stay healthy, obviously that's another key, then this might be, they might've found something here, you know? And then, and then the next thing we'll be talking about uh, later in the season, will be like, man, you wish that Keanu Neal deal was longer, you know, or something like that. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's impressive how he's made that transition from safety to linebacker and really looks like a, a perfect fit for a linebacker in today's NFL. Yeah. I also saw that Jabril Cox is grading out pretty well too. So, I mean, I know, I know he's, he's kind of back there a little bit on the depth chart, but uh, looks like that's going to be a good one for them, even if you know Keanu Neal deal runs out and and they're transitioning over. Jabril Cox looks like he's capable as well. Is Connor Williams their backup center by default at this point? And I mean, I, I got hey, the preseasons where you try these things, so I had no problem with what they did. Uh, and I know people were kind of killing him, like, hey, well, we had to find out, and he had to find out here, not at practice. So I mean, I, to me, I, I, I'm a big believer in preseason that you put your players in positions to fail. Okay, and I know it's the opposite of what you typically want to do as a coach, but like you see how they respond to positions to fill. On the goal wow. line, put them in cover zero. Let's see who can win man coverage on the goal line. Things like that. Well, KT, let's just rewind back to last year, you know. I mean, it was a little bit later in the season than this is right now, but, you know, it, it was something we talked about on here, the whole throwing out that notion after Lyle Collins we knew was lost for the season. And, and you know, you asked Mike McCarthy, you know, what about Zach Martin at, at right tackle? And then all of a sudden he says, well, this isn't fantasy football. And then later on the season, it's like, you know what? Yeah, we're probably better off than having Terrence Steele out there. So with that being said, you know, today Mike McCarthy was asked, well, what about, you know, giving some reps to Connor McGovern? You know, obviously he's played some center. He played center an entire season at Penn State. Uh, I think it was three years ago. So what about giving him some reps there and... McCarthy said that that won't be happening this week at all. So if it's not going to happen this week, I don't understand why you would do it next week. So it doesn't sound like that. It sounds like the plan is for Connor Williams to be the backup center. And so I wonder, do we get to a point where if let's say Biotish is out for a few games that Connor Williams goes in there, it doesn't work out. And then he's like, well, we got to try McGovern. And then if you get to that point, is it then like, all right, now we're calling Joe Looney. Like, I don't, I don't, honestly, I don't know uh, where they're at because it's an important position, obviously. Like, and here's the thing, like, yeah, the snaps haven't been there, and that's the issue with Connor Williams. And obviously, if you can't snap the ball, you can't play center. But I think Connor Williams has been pretty solid, you know, like in terms of how he's played, whether it be at guard or even at center after the snap. But it, it's getting to that point. But I, I just think that they're, this will all be, you know, much to do about nothing if everybody stays healthy. I think it, the offensive line is going to be very good if everyone stays healthy, but it's a big if. I mean, today in practice, you know, you're watching it, team drills, all of a sudden, why is Ty Nasecki at right tackle? And then you look behind the line and uh, of, of you know, second and third team players, and here's, you know, Lyle Collins meet with Jim Maurer, and Jim Maurer's doing similar exercises he was doing with Dak, looking at Lyle's shoulders, you know, moving his neck around, doing different things like that. When the team doctors came over, and then Lyle didn't get back into practice. Now, I've heard it's not anything serious. It was just precautionary to take him out, but it's like, it's one of those things where, you know, they've had so many injuries, particularly on the offensive line, that anytime you see something like that, you're like, oh, here we go again. 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So wait, yeah, what about that, KT? Would you go and would you rather have Tainasaki be your right tackle, or I'm saying if like you lost Lyle Collins for an extended period of time, because I think Naseki gets the first crack at it. But at what point are you like, you know what, we got to go back to Zach Martin doing this? Yeah, ideally you don't want to have to move Zach Martin unless you have to, and you just assume that Naseki is going to be better than Terrence Steele and Brandon Knight. In the end, it, what it should come down to, and this is the idea that they were going with this possibility of having both Connors in there, you know, uh, Connor Williams at center and Connor McGovern at left guard. The upside there could be better than Connor and Tyler Biotish. That's the thought process they're going with there. Well, they need to be consistent with that thought process because if you're talking about getting your best five in there, if you're, if you think Connor McGovern is a better football player than Ty Nasecki, then you do move Zach Martin and you really don't hesitate with it. And you trust Zach to not mess it up. But like, are they, when have they, it, and I know it's a different regime. It's just they're rarely very consistent in their beliefs on those types of things, at least at least in recent memory. If you so, tell me this entire offensive line stays healthy, I'm not talking about like, okay, a guy might miss a game here or there, whatever. But if you tell me that offensive line, that, that right now will be the first team offensive line, is their offensive line all season, I would be stunned if this team didn't win 11 games and, and win the division, if not more. Like, I think that that is... You know, next to Dak Prescott, I think that's the next biggest key because at wide receiver, running back, tight end, you got other guys that can kind of, you got some depth there that you feel pretty good about. And then obviously the defense is is a huge wild card right now, but this is an offensive driven team. And if that offensive line can stay healthy, there's going to be good, good things for this team. Yeah. And how they handle it's very fascinating though, too, because what happens if, uh, knock on wood, uh, what happens if Tyron got hurt? It's just Naseki. Naseki, yeah. Or is it – Lyle obviously wouldn't move to left half. Well, if you, well, but if you're saying that you're you're using your best five and Lyle's healthy, it's Lyle, and then you move Zach over or, to right, and then, you're, it, and then you're bringing in Connor McGovern. But I don't Connor, think that they would do that right away. Or, or would you move Connor to left tackle who played tackle in college? They wouldn't get, ever go there? They, oh, Shouldn't. no. I, I think anything's – I mean – when your other contingency plans are Terrence Steele and Brandon Knight playing, I think everything's on the table. Um, and this isn't unique to the Cowboys. I mean, no, what, team, what team has yeah. four def- offensive tackles? You're like, oh, any one of these guys can start if we need. I mean, I mean, they're already they're already kind of a a pretty fortunate team that they have like an elite right guard, an elite left tackle, and what should be a, a you know elite right tackle if he can stay healthy. Well, yeah, yeah, it's not like they're the the Bears who like panic signed Jason Peters because Tevin Jenkins, who they took it in the top forty, I believe he was their second round pick, the Oklahoma State tackle, he hurt his back, and he's and he's out. Like the the, the Cowboys are are relatively fine, but you know just the sheer mention of Lyle or Tyron practice or hiccup just makes you go right after Dak those are the next guys on the list for me that's the thing that can hurt your offense and prevent you from being a top six offense in the league I said six because it's an even number Uh, Saad do you have any thoughts you'd like to uh, close out with uh, before we get on out of here say something real wild and flagrant go (laughs) oh yeah uh, I think we I think we hit it all. It's it's going to be interesting to see just who plays and how much uh, because obviously next week no one's playing. So I'm kind of I, I know Mike McCarthy said Dak's not going to play, but um, but 
one one thing that that I would like to see also in the next Hard Knocks episode, I, I know like John said that the players have some control over how much they are they're in it. Like Amari Cooper, uh, just the the conversation that he had with the media recently, John alluded to just how great it was, and it usually is that great. Like his his uh, his interviews are always insightful. I'd love to see more Amari Cooper, um, and I think that'd be good for just generally everyone. I mean, the way he's a very different guy. Like CD Lamb, as, as nice as it was for us to see him on Hard Knocks, he's that very typical wide receiver, the flair. Um, you know, all that kind of stuff. Amari Cooper's just different. Um, and I think I, I think he would be someone, if given permission, that would be really interesting for everyone to get a peek at. I completely disagree with everything Sat said. Okay. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I agree with John. Last, I agree with John, always. I know, I know that we're almost there. Last one, though, last one, because I do think this is important. So, Matt, maybe. How close is Garrett Gilbert versus Cooper Rush? Not close. Garrett Garrett Gilbert's closer with somebody that's on a different team right now. You know, that's the one where maybe somebody gets let go that you're like, whoa, you know, you know, that's that he's closer with that. I think that those two are pretty locked up. uh, One and two. Foles isn't an option. Foles might get let go. (laughs) That's probably happening. They'll probably try to trade him. Yeah. I trade Jalen Smith for Nick Foles right now. Bad contract on bad contract. Don't you think you have to give up more than that, though? Probably draft pick, too. Well, they're going to cut Foles. I mean... I know, but why why would they want Jalen Smith? Oh, good point. (laughs) I mean, on that contract, what is is that doing? Hey, man, I'm just trying to be positive, dude. Good point. I'm trying to be realistic. What what, what are y'all's real thoughts on on the play that, you know, I, 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 I go on Twitter the next day... And he's still trending on Twitter. Jalen is because of the of the of the play. Well, it's because there's several plays that are like that where, you know, there is a part of football where you're like, you don't even know what his assignment was, and that's fine. But then there's the other part of, it doesn't matter when that guy has the ball in his hands. He's not pitching it back to the quarterback. Everybody sells out to get that guy after the pass is completed, and it's that. And I and I don't know who started saying this first, but whoever did really hit the nail on the head. And it's he looks from time to time, and it's too often that he's running in quicksand, and that's not good when we haven't even started playing regular season games. Like, is he going to get faster as the season? I mean, he should be pretty fast right now. And so that's the and then it's you know the level of competition you're playing against, like. So what happens if the Giants run that exact play and, and that tosses the Saquon Barkley? Like, that's going to the house, you know? So there's reason for concern there. And I'll keep going back to this, and so I'll say it again. I feel like it's been a while since I said it, so I'll repeat it now. You know, when Dan Quinn took this job, one of the first things he kept saying was, I got to watch all this film. I want to study this team and see what we have here before the draft, before free agency. And you look at their most significant investment in free agency, and that was that linebacker in Keanu O'Neill. And I know it didn't stand out at the time because people thought Keanu O'Neill, oh, he's a safety. They're signing a safety finally. No, it was for Keanu O'Neill to play linebacker. And then their first round pick is spent again on linebacker. And I know that there was some luck and other things that played into that, but you don't do these moves if Dan Quinn's like, no, I watched all the tape. 
we're good at linebacker. Clearly, there was a red flag there, and that's why both those positions were addressed with their top draft pick, with their top free agency acquisition, and that's looks like the two guys they're going to probably play the most at, at linebacker are the two new guys. So, uh, yeah, I don't know exactly if that was Jalen's assignment to take to carry that running back immediately, but regardless, when the ball goes to him, you're just like, whew, that, that, that just doesn't look good. He, he is your sixth highest player on this team, and he might be your fifth best linebacker. Yeah. That's crazy. And, and also, and the other thing is that I, I think that there's so many different elements. You talk about why he's still trending the next day. I mean, it's not just that he was like the slow and being in quicksand is one thing. It's the slow reaction, the slow actual, like Leighton beat him to the sideline on that play. I mean, like, you, you know, it's just, it was just so bad all around. And usually, Look, when you have names um, that make those kind of mistakes, I mean, look, Tim Tebow is trending on Twitter for all the wrong reasons as well. Like, you know, when you just have these names that make these, like, gaffes on film, I mean, it's just going to stand out more. And I think Jalen, unfortunately, has a, has developed a reputation to ha- for having those. And, and you do feel for him because of the fact that the reason that this is happening and he's like this now is because of that injury. Because Jalen Smith at Notre Dame was Micah Parsons. He was sideline to sideline. He, he would have no problem defending that play. No problem at all. He, I mean, he was downhill. He was going to be a top 10 pick in the draft. But that injury happened, and while he recovered to a certain extent, it's, it's just obvious he didn't get all the way back. And as much as you want that to be the case because everybody likes the good story and, and you want to be positive and, and you like the idea of, man, we stole this linebacker in the second round who's a top 10 talent – it's just not the case. And that's not a positive way to end it. The po- It isn't. Let's thing. find something positive. Quick, go. Best team in the division is... The one, Dallas Cowboys. Two, there Cowboys. you go. There you go, KT. Cowboys. Nice. Nice. KT, say one nice thing about Mike McCarthy before we end. Oh, Mike McCarthy's got a powerful beard. Okay. Also, it has been reported, yeah. too, and I'm sure you've been all, all over this, John, too, that the, the Cowboys will go to a uh, situation where basically at football games they're not going repri- to uh, require proof of vaccination at AT&T Stadium, but masks will be recommended for the non-vaccinated. I don't know if you all saw the headline from a Las Vegas uh, TV station today. They had a terrible headline. It said, Raiders fans, vaccination proof needed to go to games or get shot on sight. And I was like, wait, they're going to murder you if you're not vaccinated. They then deleted the tweet. Get shot what they meant is they were going to give you they were going to give you the vaccine there on site. But they the headline to the news channel said or get shot on site. I was like, wait, OK, I, I tried to go to a Raiders game and I wasn't vaccinated and they murder me. Damn it, KT. That's another oh, negative. No. Okay, back to you on one more positive about Mike McCarthy now. <laughs> positive. I, I, I want to have. A, I would want to have a beer with Mike McCarthy, which I haven't said about a Cowboys coach in I feel like a decade. I'm got, I'm good. <laughs> That's not a positive. Damn it. We need I a positive. Have a beer with That's Barry positive. Switzer. No, from KT Kent. Would you would you rather have oh. a beer with McCarthy or Dave Campo? Oh, McCarthy. Okay, of the past seven or eight Cowboys coaches, where does he rank on guy on coaches you'd want to have a Okay, uh, number one, Barry Switzer, Switzer, for sure. Barry's Jimmy. a treasure. Uh, then Jimmy, oh, Parcells would probably rank above Jimmy for me. 
And then Wade. It Parcells will probably be number Ooh, one, Wade. then Barry, then Jimmy, then Wade. Yeah, Wade's McCarthy good. McCarthy probably be next. Wade's good conversation. Then Mike. McCarthy would be in there. Then Chan Gailey because he's been around. He'd have some good stories. Then Campo. Real country. Yeah. Oh, you're and just going dism- You're just going to dismiss Jason Garrett like that? Yeah. Wow. Dave Campo's more fun in the press box when he's uh, when he's watching the games in the Cowboys press box. He's a loose cannon. I think Campo's funny. <laughs> He's hilarious, but I mean, he has no filter, and it's like in the press box, you're not supposed to like really have any cheering or loud noises, and and Dave Campo is uh, is prone to let let it rip a little a couple of times. I'm just kidding. Landry's way way high up the list. I just didn't think he was a part of the uh, yeah. the tier. But speaking of tiers, once the 53 is released, we're going to tier the roster. So look forward Ooh, to that. Tease. That's a tease. Okay. That's a positive also, tease. I like it. We're also not dismissing the fact that KT is still deflecting one positive thing. John asked for one more positive thing. You said the beard. <laughs> one more nice thing about Mike McCarthy. Come on. You got uh, this. Well, I'm not going to use the default he won a ring thing that every defender of him likes to say. Oh, great. Um, how about alliteration? MM, you know? <laughs> God. I, you I'm to saying, a, you like, who to is a, happy with the job that's been done so far? I don't understand. I, I was okay. going to say, he seems like a nice guy. I mean. Uh, yeah, I know he's... Look, Jay you, you a nice guy. Just roasted he's a nice him. guy. He's a nice guy, probably. <laughs> See, Although, he I mean, say that. go look up him getting thrown out of his kid's high school basketball game. And, Jeez, you know. what are we doing? We don't need to do <laughs> bringing right, this yeah, stuff let's up. Say, let's just well, KT's, at, KT's at the point where even out. if they even if they have success, he's going to be like, well, it was because of Dan Quinn and Kellen Moore and the players. and <laughs> Dak is a beast. But hey, Ben McAdoo, you know. Yeah, what could I'm, McCarthy I'm do to, to win credit. you over? Just, what could McCarthy saw, do to win you over? Like I what, saw a six what, and what vehemently vehement proof that he has won you over. What would he have to do on the field? They have to win a game in a certain style. He has to, has, fight, has to fight say an opposing player. Yeah, punch, punch another coach. Ooh. Punch punch oh, Jason would, Garrett. That, that would be pretty badass. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, no, I don't want you to punch Garrett, but punching another coach. Oh, that would be great. As long as it was I mean, like, a hey, nice remember coach. that time after that. Uh, that Lions 49ers game when like yeah, Jim Schwartz, Schwartz and Jim Harbaugh were like, dude, you, he could punch imagine? Jim Harbaugh. I'd love that. I hate Jim Harbaugh. No, no, we can stay in the division. Who would it be? It would be him and Joe Judge. Oh, could you yes. just imagine that after a game, them pushing each other? He and would get, win over a lot of Cowboys fans if that happened. And Garrett just kind of he's just holding people back, looking to hold people back. Yeah. Or Garrett's fighting a ref. I don't know. I, look, I don't hate McCarthy as much as everyone likes likes to make it out. I just you, I, hey, I just, here's what I'll I'll defend you here. I, okay, it's T. hard to sing his praises when he hasn't done anything. I'll defend yet. you here. You've lived it. You know from experience. I have lived you know, it. like imagine us. Imagine this is a New York Giants podcast, and the Giants hosts are like, "Why, Jason Garrett? He's, he's everything's great." It's like, no, I've I've lived it. I've <laughs> I've been eight and eight for for the last decade, you know. So I've lived it. I, I I see your I see your frustration, KT. I do think I am hopeful and optimistic that he really has tried to get better about. I think it's great that he is not calling plays and and, and doesn't have the responsibility of running the offense like he did in Green Bay. I think that's a good thing. 
And I also think he's actually made active like attempts to like let's really find out and talk to the analytics people and things like that. I mean, the, he's an upgrade over Garrett just by proxy, right? Just by I think asking the right question. I think he does that t- those types of things. I think Garrett was like set in his ways and wanted to win in one score games. McCarthy wants to win forty to twenty. I love it. Garrett wanted to win twenty to seventeen. That's important that you want to win the right way, uh, you know. So you know what? Who knows? I, I think it could be good. Ooh, KT, Mike McCarthy fanboy, love it. Yes, thank you. I agree with Sod. <laughs> We've gone on too long, guys. We'll be back next week with more hard knocks and uh, whatever else comes out on trending on Twitter after the game. <laughs> For Father John Mashoda, for Saad Youssef, for our producer Kit Garrison, I'm KT. About Them Cowboys comes back in all its positivity next week. Love you. Bye. Hey, my gooch feel dry. I might have to put some powder down there.